Good morning. Another fine Saturday morning we'll walk through. So uh, we're again, we're sitting outside uh, the house in the great weather. Um, I think last week we left kind of talking about Yo and Harry. Um, so I don't know if there's anything more you wanted to cover on them before we move on to uh, the next uh, sibling. Well, uh, there is, uh, there are so many things that come to mind after it's almost like mustard after dinner. It, uh, uh, oh yeah, that's what happened in yours life. That is what happened in Harry's life and anybody's life that I know. But Yo, uh, uh, for instance, he he was ahead of his time, but he always had been. That was his nature. And. Uh, Yes, he was in a relationship with a lady, and he, they lived together as husband and wife, but they weren't actually married. Uh, he met, met her because he was a counselor in an institution where they had children that were taken away by what you call here children's aid or something because you had a single mother who had to go to work and had to look after the child that was not able to and if somebody thought there was any degree of neglect, real or imaginary, then the child would be taken away, put to that institution they could still interact with each other, mother and child, but it is like a permanent babysitter kind of thing. And Yo was one of the people that uh, was in that as a counselor to those kids. Uh, he understood how the children feel. He made it more or less uh, uh, something. It is not that he necessarily studied, but it seemed to come natural to him. But anyway, he got this boy that was in that group of children in that institution in The Hague. And, uh, well, he had uh, racially varied, like not necessarily all nice, but racially varied nevertheless. And he applied for that job and he got it. And through that guy who, there was something about him that my brother uh, really could feel for. And do, do, you, do you remember the boy's name by chance? The which? Do you remember the boy's name by chance? Uh, Ron. His name was Ron. Yeah. And I believe his last name was Don, Ron Don, mm -hmm. because it rhymed. That's why I remember. Uh, and how, how old would he have been roughly at the time? Uh, at that time, he was maybe uh, 11, 12, 13. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know, but he was that getting into the teenage years, and you felt something special about him. Mm -hmm. That whether it was a common experience or
whatever it may be, I don't know, because I was in Canada when he was there. And he, uh, because of Ron, he got to know, he went with him to see his mom. He drove him up there and then you met his mom and they got to talking and she explained what happened in her life and uh, how they got uh, to get divorced. She was left looking after her son and uh, uh, soon enough, for some reason, uh, well, it's more or less a natural thing, he felt something special about her and he went to visit her more and more. And the next thing you know, he was single, he had no girlfriend or nothing and she had no husband or boyfriend. So the two of them got together and yes, eventually they started to live together and Ron got to the age, he was old enough and he struck out on his own. He got married and he had his children and Joe came south again and lived with his funny thing that her name was Honey as well, same as Honey, my wife here. You're more like Yo than you thought. Pardon? You're more like Yo than you thought originally. <laughs> you have the same, same taste in uh, Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is funny, I, uh, when I first heard that uh, Jo's, let's say, common-law wife, her name was Honey, and I, you got mixed up, that's my wife's name. No, Jo's too. And way back, Jo and I, we butt heads. For the same reason, we were so much alike, and yet almost inseparable, because you also had uh, the war did a bad number on him, and uh, he once had this girlfriend, and she had the misfortune that her parents had a lot of money, and we were just a regular family, and her mom didn't want her to go out with a guy who never made much of his life because he was working, living in the resistance during the war. No diplomas, no future, so to speak, not a big pile of money behind them. And at that time, uh, they were tried, the same as in some countries where they marry off the kids, they predetermine who is get married to who. And uh, she wanted that too, but Jo liked her, she liked him, and they were going out together and the bonds were getting stronger and the mother in desperation finally went to the parish priest. And in those days, the parish priest was more powerful than the mayor. And uh, she said that she wanted to have her daughter away because it was uh, a relationship that could never work positively. Total interference. But anyhow, 
revealing everything else, the parish priest said that he would look after it. And the next thing I know, a van stops in, in front of our house. I wasn't there at the time, but my sister told me later on, well, I heard in family conversation, that that morning, that van came from uh, uh, some kind of an asylum, and they came to pick up you. They picked him up, and they took him away. And at the time, you would not protest because it had been by the order of the pastor, the parish priest. He had arranged for you to be picked up because he had decided that you was mentally unstable and needed the attention of psychiatrists or what have you. That was just a pretense to get them to split get a stigma on him mm -hmm. so that uh, she would eventually uh, know I, you know, the guy had been in a nut house. Mm -hmm. One morning I was still in bed and all of a sudden I hear crying in the hallway. It could be you because he was invoked in that institution. Mm -hmm. and. The bathroom door opens up and I look and there is you coming in in some kind of a suit that was so tight that it looked like wet cement poured into his suit. Yeah. And he cried and he cried and he says, I'm so glad that I'm here. He's, and he helped me. He, he squeezed me and he says, I'm not crazy. I says, I know. Yeah, but do you know what it is like in that institution? They, 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 I live with people and they're, they're crazy. Mm -hmm. He says, I want to prove to you that I am not crazy. If I'm crazy, he says, I cannot play chess. Get out the chessboard, the one that I got here now, okay. as history. He says, get out the chessboard and we play a game. He says, I guarantee you, I'll beat you. I thought you better be good. And he got rid of his tears. It changed his emotion. He knew. We put the chessboard on the bed that we shared together before. We always slept in the same bed, the same bedroom, because we had so much in common. Trade and what have you, views. And he beat me soundly. And not that I let him. I never let anybody win. In chess, you don't let them win. In card game, different. Chess is too serious. And he, like usual, he beat me. I said, but yo, we didn't need the chess game to prove that you were sane. Uh, I know that. I know what is happening. But there is nothing that you can do. I said, Dad couldn't even do anything about it. Because you know how it is in a village, you go against the parish priest and it won't be long and you haven't got a customer left which our lives depend on. And that is how life is. But anyway, they did split eventually and he never had another girlfriend until he met 
his honey. So how long was he, like, how did he get out of this asylum? He, he, he got away. Oh, okay. And he, that's why... So, the reason, it, so once you saw him play chess, I'm assuming he took off after that? No, he stayed home yeah. and he got some decent clothes oh, on. Okay. And then uh, my dad was wondering, uh, and I told, I said, Dad, there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Because I play chess with him, I said, and I had, a, I had absolutely no chance. I tried to corner him, but just to make sure that he was sharp enough, I said, like a knife, I couldn't beat him. So, in other words, from what it sounds like, it's better off to cross the SS than it is the clergy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An interesting thought, well, yeah. Just at that time, anyway. Yeah. Well, yes, in uh, the SS, he could escape yeah. by not going to that church, he went to another one. Yeah. But the priest, you cannot escape because religion forbids you to stay away, even for one Sunday. I remember in my own life, I was working in Eindhoven, it has nothing to do with this, but uh, I slept in one Sunday and it was halfway through the last mass in the church. When I woke up, I got dressed, I rushed to the church and it was just after the, the, the main part that it was obligatory for every Catholic to attend, and that is the, the consecration of the host and the wine. And uh, I felt guilty because I had failed to go to that one time that I had to be in church a week, and that was on the Sunday. It, everybody went to church on Sunday. That week I was afraid to go into the city because it was a mortal sin on my conscience. Talking about brainwashing into believing something that now I see as total indoctrination of severe idea. But that was then and this is now. And uh, I could not wait to have Saturday come so I could go to confession, clear my conscience, go to communion and never miss another Sunday. But I didn't willfully miss it. I didn't drink or anything and I was uh, uh, drunk and I could go to church. I just slept in and I just never woke up. I'm sorry, that who, I had no reason to get, sure I wake up in time to go to church except that one day. But anyhow, that is how uh, things were. But you, he didn't have the best of lives. So just because I want to understand you talk about you, it sounds like you're very similar in personalities, kind of temperament. I mean, he's obviously a better chess player than you ever were. Um, uh, so let me ask you this question. I did beat him. I did beat him. I never beat my dad, but I did beat him. Mm -hmm. Not that day, mm -hmm. but I did beat him after. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, because... Uh, playing chess was more or less uh, was a big thing for the guys. Yeah. So uh, girls didn't play it, but they didn't smoke either. Yeah. So side note, chess players. So you played. You brought, so how would you rate your brothers as far as chess? You played with 
Yo, I don't know if you ever played with Harry. I definitely know you. Oh, yeah. With, you know, so how would you rate chess players in your family as far as... Uh, I take it your dad would be the best from the sounds of it? Well, yeah, but uh, everybody was always trying yeah. to beat him. Yeah. I could play against Yo, against Harry, mm -hmm. even Theo. Yeah. Theo soon enough picked up and he was not that big a challenge, but he got better as mm -hmm. time goes on, of course. And uh, But to be dad, I never could. I don't think that Harry ever did. Yo may have. Yeah. He never said. He wouldn't brag about it anyway, especially not if you beat dad. That, you know, you'd, you humbly take it, but yeah. don't brag about it. Yeah, you, you hide in the corner and yip and yell without him seeing. <laughs> yeah, you say, mm -hmm. but don't let anybody see yeah. that you have a uh, that that grin on your face. Okay, so how would Dylan rank in your ranking there? Dylan, the changes now are that I am the oldest that anybody ever in my family got, so a lot older than my dad was at the time. Yeah. And Dylan beats me now, but for instance, the last game, I now know that yeah. The chances of me beating Dylan are very small. Yeah. So that's more of an age thing. So would you? Yeah, think no, but I no no. Dylan has he has that that mind, but he can remember all these things, and he uh, he has strategies. He can remember the moves that he made. The moves I made, this, the, the, the strategy that he decided from the beginning and how it is building and he uh, uh, I can't beat him, I know I cannot beat him because I cannot remember all these moves anymore. You've got to be able to, to think seven moves ahead makes you a good chess player and he can do that. But he has that kind of that kind of mind that he, the ability to focus, and it was in the last game almost his downfall. But I made a move, and I exposed my queen. I was I put his king in check with my queen, and I let go of the queen as soon as you let go. The move is finished, it's done. And only then did I see that I did put his king in check, but I never saw actually that his queen could take mine and I had no way of taking a piece back. So it was a dead giveaway of the queen. And I did not react. I. At the moment, I only Macron. Oh, that's game over because he can, he can take my queen. He could not believe that I could make such a stupid move. So he made a different move, and when he let go, I said, "I said, oh my God, I'm glad that you let me take my, keep my queen." And he looked at it. Oh, jeez, I could have had him. I said, yeah, that is, but I let go, so I thought, 
Don't react because you catch on. Anyway, in the, in the end, I put my cake down because I found it an insult to keep on playing while there was no way uh, he was gonna miss another opportunity like that. Yeah. And 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 a and a draw was not in the cards either because he was ahead in points. So that is what happened. Then yes, he is uh, a sharp chess player. So you think he could beat Yo? Uh, if he totally focuses on it, okay. he, he, yeah, he would. But uh, well, and I will say this. I mean, I I'm not saying he could be by that. Yeah. Okay. But he would be able to. I think he would be able. I yeah, he could beat high, but he could even beat yo, and. Uh, uh, I could be very focused, but you had that something or other. Uh, I always hoped that someday I could play his kind of game. Mm -hmm. He had a. We were so alike, and yet when we played chess, we had total different strategies, preferences. We valued like I always valued the knight. You didn't see that much in it. But his strength was in the bishop, for instance, which is worth less than the knight. The knight can make such stupid jumps that you really got to be very careful because it can put two things in check and it is still free itself. So uh, uh, chess is a beautiful game. Well, I, and I don't want you beating yourself up about Dylan beating you because. In all honesty, he does have some advantages that you don't have. He's got age, which is one. And two, I mean, he, you come from a Williams lineage, and he comes from a Bull lineage. And we both know the Bull lineage is much sharper and much smarter on a whole. But we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But, but I will ask a question, because it, it sounds like if, if your ages had been reversed, if you had been born... When Yo was, and Yo was born when you were, if you had swapped ages, do you think you would have kind of made the same choices he made, such as you know going off to the resistance and and such? Do you think that's what you would have done? Because it sounds like you're very similar. Yeah, I would. I would Personal, never yeah. join the army of the enemy. Yeah. But the big difference was, for some reason, Yo admired the royal family, mm -hmm. and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And for different reasons, and there, but I still would have fought for my country. Would you fight the country, or would you have left the country? Uh, no, at the time, yeah. I would have. Uh, in the beginning, when I first came to Canada, mm -hmm. I was homesick mm -hmm. because I missed the country where I grew up, where. I was where my moral compass was fine-tuned by my parents, where I had my childhood experiences that made me what I became. And uh, yes, I was very strongly attached. And Canada had a different language, a different culture, a different nature, a different everything. And I had to get used to that. And 
I did gradually get used to it and it is just like sometimes you you meet a, you see a girl she's okay you know she's okay but as you get to know her better you get a positive instead of a, 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 a more appreciation I, yeah and slowly it you even can fall in love with that girl that well she's just another girl so what uh, Canada was the same thing to me I would still always in the beginning back home was everything that is my home the old country but as I experienced life here, interacted more with the born Canadians who uh, don't seem to appreciate the wealth that they have, the privilege of having been born and raised in this country. And I just came in by the grace of their goodwill to let me in. And, but uh, I started to fall in love and the memories of the old country were there but the emotional attachment got to be less and less and less and it got to the point where all of a sudden or not all of a sudden so much but I slowly began to realize that yeah I am for all practical purposes, Canadian. I have turned into a Canadian. I'm not Dutch Canadian, I'm Canadian. That is when I decided I'm ready to get my citizenship, which I did. And when I was asked to swear allegiance to my new country, I was very consciously aware of what I swore off and to and when I became the Canadian and I was also very much aware of when they asked me if I wanted to change my name because I uh, could do it without any extra cost because uh, you know if you like to have a different name fine because you start your second life more or less in the same uh, biological lifespan and I said no because at that moment I remembered my dad saying that if you ever get in trouble with the law do me a favor and change your last name because I don't want a son carrying my name who has been in trouble in a criminal way with the law and I was very much aware of that and I told the guy, I said, no, I have no reason to change. I couldn't change it because it was almost like, yeah, I'm aware of having done something very wrong. And I promised my dad, yes, dad, I will change my name, but I hope I will never have a reason to. Just one question on you and then we'll, we'll go on to your next brother. Do you think if he was born younger, if he was born around your age and didn't go through the war at that age, so he was, you know, not trapped or didn't have to go in, would he, do you think he would have been similar to you and leave the country, or do you think he would have continued on 
where he was? Uh, with the experience, with some of the experience he had in his life, yeah. he probably, if we had been closer in age, yeah. say uh, one or two years apart, we probably would have together come to Canada okay. and start a business yeah. of our own. But well, that wasn't so. That is just. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious. But yeah, oh yeah, he would, and uh, we probably would have, uh, probably would have, I'm sure it would have worked out in a way because, but then again, uh, you never know. Uh, no, because we were two alike. The reason that you and I get yeah. along, at least in my opinion, and to our, our appearances, it's because we are so different, mm -hmm. and uh, likes repel and opposites attract. And uh, in personalities, is the same as in magnetism. Okay. But uh, yeah, uh, I have very fond memories of you. I also remember one time we got into a fight which was not. That's uncommon because we were too alike. Uh, and that had to do with chess too. He accused me of having cheated and move so that I could win. But that is, I don't want to win by cheating. That, uh, it would always bother me if by cheating I won a game. Oh, so your daughter doesn't get that from you then? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's in cards. Uh, uh, that's just so minimal in comparison. Okay. Uh, there is no luck in chess. It is just, uh, and that is the beauty of chess. Anyhow, um, we were coming down the stairs, and at the bottom of the stairs there was an arch where there could have been a door, but they made an arch so that it separated the idea of stairway and hallway. And at the bottom of the stairs, on the other wall, there was a coat, coat rack. And the winter coats, and on top there were the hats and what have you. Anyway, we came down the stairs and yelling and fighting. And no, I didn't. She, yes, you did. No, I didn't. And uh, we got into a. Uh, in, into this feeling of physical, a physical fight. Yeah. That is the lack of understanding, and the only thing left is that, that 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 uh, animalistic. Uh, you you attack mm. physically. If you can't win with the brain, then you start attacking. You admit your inability to. To convince with the, bra the, the, the brain power, your power of thought, reasoning. And I kind of saw that there was just enough room for my fist to miss that arch because it would break. Uh, and he was standing with, my, with his back against that coat rank, yelling at me, and I am at the third, the second or third step, still up on the stairs. And I got so angry, and 
uh, I don't even remember what I was thinking, except at that time, if you don't want to listen to reason, maybe this will help. And I swung, I hit him full fist on top of the head. I knocked him out and he fell back against these coats and he sat there with the coat hanging over his head. This commotion my dad heard, who came through the, from the bakery, through the kitchen and into the hallway. And there is you sitting with this coat over his head that used to hang on the what's going on here so I he was out so uh, he was just beginning to come to and I told him well we had a chess game and he accused me of cheating and I wanted to beat him the game never played finished because uh, when he started to uh, accuse me that was the end of the game and the new game of fighting started and that was never much for uh, waiting for the details. Uh, uh, you, you don't fight on credit. You get paid on the spot. Butter with the fish. So he let me have it. And then he took the coat off and, and you, he was coming up. And but he, uh, he had suffered enough. So he told him, and he was in his 20s. And he went back upstairs. I went to the back in the garage. I had to clean up things and rearrange it. And I was lucky that I wasn't sent one room farther down where the briquettes were stored for the bakery. Because that is a messy job. And he could have done that too. But anyway, I got away. I got off lightly. And we would never think of uh, fighting back if dad meets out the punishment, you take it. That was my... <laughs> I loved him. He was a dear brother to me. Mm -hmm. We had the same trade, we had so many things in common. He was... And that's the funny thing that I could never... I still cannot understand how he could stay so true to his faith, to his religion, after the Paris priest had put him in that dungeon, that, that asylum, and until the very day he died, he stuck with it. Of course, I had so many more years. He was 42 when he died, and I'm more than double. It's really not fair. He should have gotten a lot older, but he uh, he stuck he stuck with it, and I didn't. I could uh, I started to ask questions. I always, if it wasn't logic, I couldn't accept it. I still can't. I have never really been able to, even in the seminary, if if it. Uh, if it couldn't be explained philosophically, uh, then I couldn't accept it. That is the problem with indoctrination. Can you blindly accept? Yo, he could take that because his deep belief was he had to accept it. The fear of the alternative was so strong. And I know 
what it is like because that is the trouble I had when I missed that Sunday Mass. So was there any kind of paying of the bill for the punch with Yo? Did he ever come looking for... No, no. Uh, uh, it's the funny thing. It, we got to fisticuffs before, yeah. not that bad, yeah. but I mean, that was actually the worst yeah. it has ever been. But, uh, oh, we could give each other a smack, or yeah. you were wrestled, you don't yeah. punch. Yeah. It was more or less wrestling. Yeah. And uh, uh, if, if you ended up at the bottom, it's, I guess, the same as this phony wrestling they have. And nowadays, this professional wrestling. It is almost predetermined who's got to win. But if you end up at the, ended up at the bottom, you lost. And I didn't always end up at the bottom, nor on the top. And that is why we kept on mm -hmm. wrestling. But punching is when you actually hurt, physically hurt yeah. somebody. And it could be dangerous because you might damage the body. Whereas wrestling, well, it, it's a matter of uh, you could uh, spray a muscle, but it, it, nature takes care of itself. But uh, when you start breaking bones, that's a different thing. Or maybe knocking an eye out. Unforgivable. So, uh, I have very fond memories of my interactions with you, and we could talk about our traits that we shared. I learned a lot from him, I also in the electronic field, the enthusiasm for radio. He just loved radio, television, anything electronic. Mm -hmm. And he, because of the war, he was ahead of the game. And uh, I enrolled in the Freitag in Toronto. The very day that President Kennedy got assassinated, that's why I remember. And I was going to take a course in computer repair. I was going to first in television, but then when I heard about computers, which was then coming up because of the transistor, which was a big change from the, the transistor made, brought in so many more possibilities, because the first computers had radio tubes in it. The one that in the airfield where, that I talked to you about, where I was when my mom died, I had to hook up a cable as thick as my arm with all these little wires, and they had to individually be hooked up to these rows of screws to run those lights. They, because when the plane comes in, those lights, they start to light up to guide the plane between those two rows of lines. That is, so you could see the runway by virtue of the rows of lights that were on the side. And they had all different angles uh, from the spot where they touched down and the beginning where they just beginning to come down. And it was all run by that. That was a computer and the thing was bigger than our old furnace. And I had to sit there day after day and you have a schematic and you got to sit there and strip those wires and bend them with the needle nose pliers and then hook them around with all the bloody old-fashioned screws, slotted screws. They didn't have a Robertson screw. By the way, that's a Canadian invention, Robertson. And uh, 
Ja, dat was mijn eerste introductie naar een computer. En ze noemden dat ook. En het had een kind of elektronisch part in the whole thing. I was only uh, allowed to work on the hooking up part, but the, the electronic part, the, the, the guts of a radio or television. And that was the actual computer, but uh, I think that uh, it had far less power than the little thing here in my pocket. That is how much we advanced, evolved, and we are still only in the early stages. So it's uh, it's an interesting life, and uh, having having the privilege of getting as old as I have so far, I have learned a lot. And evolution applies not only to the biological aspect of life, but to everything else. And uh, an exponential increase, I forget about the, the doubles every year or every so many years. And it was supposed to have stopped a long time ago. We are still advancing with leaps and bounds. And I just like to be around 10 years from now so I don't have to come back in 10 years and die again from the new things that are there so I evolve into it. Uh, they say that if I was to die today and come back in 10 years I probably die of the fear of the new things that I cannot imagine or never have imagined. It's probably true. In fact, I think that 10 years is an over, an overkill. Uh, five years might even do. But uh, life is a very interesting proposition. Did Yo uh, ever come over to Canada? No, he didn't. He, he would have. Most definitely would have. But, uh, in fact, The day I saw him for the last time was in 1963 when my dad was in the hospital and I spent all the time at home and I spent a week at my in-laws, my wife's parents. Uh, well, that's when uh, I got to know what her hometown looked like and the people that were there totally different than my village and uh, anyway uh, the, la the last day, the day I was going back to Canada he phoned and said I'll meet you in Amsterdam and then we'll see the town and we can go out for lunch and have talk about the good old days and that's what we did uh, and He wanted to know all about Canada and how things were and he was totally fascinated by it. And uh, at the time I was not in the most ideal situation in life, but it was a stage that I had to go through. And 
shortly after, I, that was in 63, and he died in 66. My dad died in 65. So between 63 and 66, his, he always had trouble with his abdomen. But the experiences of the war, when he had to go and hide, he once laid in a in a trench with a pipe in his mouth to stop the the the, 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 the sniffing dogs oh, from no. smelling him. When the Germans were hunting for him and his resistance friend, who they shot in the back of the leg and he fell. They picked him up and took him to the concentration camp. My brother was lying in that field, couldn't hear anything, but he could breathe through that little pipe in that, because the water table in Holland is pretty high everywhere. And you can see it in the, in the fields. They have these trenches, he laid in one of them so that the dogs couldn't smell him. And he got away with it. And I blamed experience that was not unique that was one of the experiences he had of many and i thought well his bowel problems that uh, stomach problems and mom had stomach cancer baby was in the family uh, th that was the cause of his uh, stomach problems the war yeah. uh, it may still be i don't know but he died of bowel cancer, mm -hmm. and I think I told you. Yep. Yeah, we mentioned that last time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but you definitely, I would have loved to have uh, have him come over. Harry came over, and one of the first things he said when we were sitting there at night, uh, speeding through our experiences in life, him with his back home and mine be uh, coming here, going through the whole life until we get married, we get children, we settle down and we meet again. And uh, so there was a lot of catching up to do. And he said, you know, I just got here today, but from what I have seen, many times I thought, should I have gone to Canada? But then we always thought you were just like Omegradus. You were so different. You were different than the rest of us. And going out to go to Canada, what the hell possessed you to make that move? Because you had a job. You had a good life. You had everything. But well, I left, and he said, imagine if I could have come here, I could have started a bakery, I could have had a good life. And I said, yeah, I could have even helped you. But he says, that never worked back home, and it wouldn't work here. I said, Harry, you never know, because I still like the bakery, except that Dad thought that I would never make a baker because I was too much interested in mechanical things. He says, yeah, I think I should have, I should have come. He really felt bad that he had it, but he was afraid to cut the knot, to cut the apron string, mm -hmm. so to speak. And uh, so here I am, 
and Theo came over and he, well he knew that with, with his health he, he could never have come but uh, he immensely enjoyed everything. I, mean, I remember the first time when he came he said that yeah, one thing I'm not married he said I don't have kids but I'm here for three weeks and those are my kids so don't interfere he says I want to go to the park with the people living in Brooklyn then and we had this park behind the house he says when I want to go and play with them in the park or whatever I want to interact if I want to go pick them up at the bus when they come home from school uh, he wanted to he said they're my kids and well, we were in the younger years we shared the same bedroom and the same dreams so to speak in many ways and uh, uh, did I ever tell you about having learned in school that the priest said uh, from dust you are made and to dust you shall return and we were questioning that do you think you that we got to turn to dust so well I could be I don't know but uh, I don't want to look in the coffin I said I don't like seeing that people but maybe if they if they're in there long enough maybe they do turn to dust I don't know but the entire idea of the biological body going back to dust is very normal it is almost it's hard for me to believe that anything else was possible anyhow uh, you know that when you well you don't know but you never wore wooden shoes but one day funny thing so Theo and I are in the same bed and we have our little talk before we go to sleep and I had this callus on my big toe the, the ball of the big toe on my right foot and you get that when you walk barefoot in wooden shoes and you get the callus on top of the foot too and I scratched on it and scratched on it and I peeled a piece of skin off it didn't hurt to peel it off but it hurt like hell for a couple of weeks afterwards because it was sore because the callus was gone mm -hmm. and I had a little matchbox the same one that I same kind that I have in the door here that I took along for old time sake and we put that piece of skin in that matchbox and Theo says do you think that uh, that's gonna turn to dust because that was ultimately that would prove the theory of to dust you shall return and the way the roof structure was with the roofing tiles and you had a beam going this way and then you had a truss going that way and in the crook of it where the one joined the other at 90 degrees there was a pocket and we put the matchbox in there and Annie, my sister who made the beds, would never see it because but you couldn't see it unless you were really looking for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the beginning every day we look at it and it shriveled up and shriveled up and finally it was, uh, is there any dust yet? No, I don't see it but it is still, the skin is still there. And how long do you think we have to wait? 
I said, we're not going to wait. We're not going to look this week. Maybe next week. And it goes on and on until finally you forget it. And uh, I never looked at it or four. And it might still be there. And nobody found it. But anyhow, uh, I still don't know for sure that to dust we shall return. And uh, well, there's mom coming back. And uh, that was one of those childhood memories. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy thinking about that. Uh, it's part of my life, part of my interaction with my kid brother. And uh, I remember the very first day he came over, we picked him up at the airfield and everybody was gone to bed. But him and I, we were sitting in the living room and uh, he was talking to me about all kinds of things and you remember this, remember that, yeah. And uh, he eventually, he wanted to know, uh, was that just an idea, a theory? And would it be really that bad if he was like Omegrader? But I was uh, more or less an unknown quantity. The only one that left, and what kind of a guy is he? But he brought with him, and he asked my brother Harry, Harry, what should I take along to give Albert? It should be something that uh, reminds him of his childhood, the past. Uh, and you know, I was thinking, uh, the wedding bands of mom and dad, but uh, I don't want to lose him, and I don't, if he likes to drink, and that was not a, uh, a, a given either way, they didn't know what I had become, uh, they could only surmise, and uh, Harry said, you know, don't be too hasty, you go there and you don't have nothing, it doesn't matter. You come there and when you are sure that he is not going to pawn him off to buy a bottle of liquor or a case of beer, then you can give him those rings if you know that he will appreciate them. Because they are not just gold rings that identify the bond that we are the result of, but that he really appreciates it. So we were sitting there on the Chesterfield talking and uh, somehow I, it made me happy for him to ask the questions, how do you feel about this, how do you feel, and he was trying to find out what the hell is he like now that, uh, that he was, uh, he never showed when we were kids, we just assumed, but he's one of us, but having changed in this big country with everything different than what we are used to, how do we know? But that is why he was asking me all kinds of questions. And then he says, just a minute, he said, I got to go upstairs. I said, yeah, I'll, uh, I said, you want another coffee? Because him and I, we could drink coffee and then go to bed, sleep in five minutes. And we always liked coffee, everybody did. 
except my older sister. She never drank coffee, she always had tea. Uh, but he came down and he says, I have something for you. I said, you didn't have to bring anything. I'm glad you came to you. I said, I'm really happy. It means so much. I said, Hani's family, some of them are here. Her parents have been here on a couple of occasions. I think this is, it was 1974. I think this is a, a, a great thing. I, I just love to be with you. And going back over the memories, uh, being in the same bed and the dreams we had, and that skin came up in that little matchbox. That's what he should have brought. And, but he didn't know. Uh, it, it probably still sitting there. Anyhow, he said, "I it's, it is just a little box." He couldn't say it isn't much because it was an awful lot. It was more than he could have brought in money. And he gave that box to me. He opened it up. Uh, he says, "He says, Harry and I decided that." Maybe you like to have these. And I opened it up and I looked at it and I took and I saw the engraving. J.M. Wilms. And then the date, May the 10th, 1920. That was the day they were, my parents were married. And the same in Monsring, which was so much smaller. And I remember mom wearing that ring when I took the picture and she lying in the coffin. And that ring and my dad's ring that sometimes the ring was on his hand and he would stroke me over the head if I had done my best on something when I was so much smaller in grade school. Or he Tap, slap me on, tap me on the back, and he would say, "I'm proud of you." So he, that ring represented our interactions, but the symbolism of it. Those two rings together were the very, very beginning, spiritual beginning of my life. My parents got married. They became what, as they like to say, and because of it and out of it, I am one of the eight. And uh, that is represented in those rings. I know it is a funny way of looking at things, but that is how my emotional feelings work. And that is funny that the next day, the kids came down, they go to school, they came home from school, and they do whatever they normally do, except Tam. And she said, uh, where's Obateo? I said, he's upstairs, I think. I think he wants to go to the park. And uh, I said, oh, I want to show you something. I got something you might like to see. What is it? What is it? I said, just a minute, so I showed her, I explained that they were my parents' rings, 
and uh, it when she found out those were actually my parents' rings and she kind of got dewy-eyed and then she looked me straight in the face with almost like if she was going to ask me, she wanted to ask me something or say something but she didn't know whether she should or not because it is, uh, it is really should I, should I, I hope, I hope that he's not going to get mad. And then she blurted out, Dad, I hope it is a long time, long time before it happens, but when you die, would you mind if I get those rings? She didn't talk about anything else. Uh, those rings, they that really got her. And I said to mom, I said later on, and this is what happened. I said, those rings, when we are gone, they go to time. No questions asked. In fact, yours and mine will as well go to her. We didn't know it at the time, but meanwhile, Mom has gotten the wedding band of her mom and her oldest brother has the wedding band of his dad, of her dad like. So uh, those rings go to Tam. They mean so much to her and I wouldn't think of changing that no matter what. And I hope that they stay together for the sake of posterity. Because at some future point, hopefully, somebody is gonna hear this podcast, a great great grandchild or whatever. Uh, he is hoping. And wondering about those rings and like wine they become more valuable as time goes on. I can imagine what it would be for me to have the wedding bands of one of my grandparents or both of them or all four of them. It would be uh, uh, totally priceless. Uh, see, uh, to know the price of something is nice, but to know the value of something. And the value of those rings are totally priceless. You, they're only the value of gold. But beyond that, you cannot begin to put a price on it. And there are so many things in life, experiences that you have, that you, they, they are priceless. Anyway, that is what happened with those rings. Uh, so Terry and thought it, you were worthy in the end, so. I guess saying it was a good thing he thought you were worthy in the end. Yeah, well, he figured that uh, he isn't. Uh, just like Omegrades. They thought, well, he, you know, he was so different than the rest. It turned out that in the end, 
his moral compass was set the same. It is just he, he that the 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 pointer to the north deviated once in a while here and there a little bit, and it may not have been in the same direction as his siblings or other family members, but eventually it did set his course. And I think that the same thing happened for me. In our earlier years, we have a lot of hair and they're wild. And eventually they all settle down and then they fall out. But I like to think that Omegrades, who was uh, Ingrid's grandfather, uh, uh, I was, I feel, I feel honored to be compared with him and being thought of as being so much alike. I, uh, I, for instance, uh, never took out a shotgun to chase away a shooter of one of my kids. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure you can understand how my dad must have felt. <laughs> uh, but, well, that's how he was. I don't know if the same circumstances had happened to me, would I have felt different? Because it is, it is such an inborn thing. You look out for your siblings when you end up. That is all you have. Your family, the family unit is so extremely important. And I'm sure you understand because we had the privilege and luxury to be invited to be part of the Rice family picnic. And that is uh, it's not just a thing. To be invited to be part of something like that, that is a big thing to me. It creates a special bond between the two families that you and Tam brought together. There, 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 there is so much more to life than what, than, uh, beside the obvious. Uh, okay, you're married, you have a family, Tam has a family, and uh, we're together. Look at the, 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 the things that we have had in common. Uh, just this week, your mom phoned here and we were on the phone talking for the longest time. First I talked to her and more or less about computers and stuff like that. Then I gave the horn to mom and she is talking to her and it is such a great experience. You tell me. How many people have the luxury of that interaction and understanding of, let's say, in-laws? You know, the, like the parents of the husband and the parents of the wife getting along to the point where they can talk for over an hour on the phone with each other and share the enthusiasm of their children and their grandchildren on and on. It is something that is almost unique. I can't think of, I've never heard of any situation 
even Ramon is similar to ours. And that is such a great fortune, such a, a good feeling. Uh, uh, we never had that before and I don't know that any of my siblings ever had that. Uh, it is just luck. That's why I say I'm such a lucky bugger. Uh, everything is going my way. Every once in a while I, uh, I may stray a bit and I get pushed back on the path and yeah, here we are. We enjoy life as it is again and just continue on. I, yes, I am a very, very lucky man and mom feels the same way. We, we are so fortunate. Uh, of the way things have gone. We, that is what rich means. It has nothing to do with body. It is uh, uh, the value of life. I think I agree, and I think that's probably a perfect spot to put a pin on it until next week. Yeah. And then we'll delve more into that family um, next week. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to everyone next week.